Hello, horror fans. It's me, Cassandra, with the Horrorcraft Podcast, and we are back. It is season two, and I am so excited because we have so many things coming up. But in this episode in particular, we have uh, Jay from Jay's Nerdy Life coming on where we're talking about Universal Monsters, and I am so excited to be talking about Universal Monsters because they are my absolute favorite, and I know... A lot of horror fans feel the same way. Um, and if you hear a little tinkling in the background, it is our horror cat mascot. Who I mean, horror craft, but he is a horror cat uh, mascot. And um, he is in our presence. So, but I really wanted to come on quick before we start the episode and talk about the changes that are coming on for horror craft. Uh, we are about to get bigger and better. But unfortunately, right now, uh, my co-host and best friend, Brittany, is taking a hiatus from the show. She will be back. Um, I don't know when, but as we both are moms, we have things going on and it's just important for her to step away. So I will still be on and I will be bringing on a ton of amazing guests and Brittany will be able to come on when she can. Um, so stick around. We still have amazing content. And I am super excited for you to hear this episode with Jay's Nerdy Life. So let's get into it. Okay, well, we're recording. Okay. Hi, Jay. How are you? Hello. Good. How Would are you, you? I'm doing good. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hey, this is Jay. My, um, I'm from Jay's Nerdy Life. How are you guys doing? Uh, yeah. Um, okay, record. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, so I, um, you're my friend, obviously. Yeah. Like this is the first time us actually seeing each other, but we know each other on Instagram, and you are like all over the place with pop culture. I mean, you you talk about everything. Yeah, pop culture. Um, I'm a huge fan of pop culture. Huge, huge fan of classic monster movies. You know that we're going to be speaking about earlier. You know later today, and I'm just thrilled to be here. It's going to be exciting. Yeah, we're we're super excited to have you on. So obviously, we're going to be talking about Universal monsters. So for those who aren't aware, when we're talking about Universal movie monsters, we're talking about the greats. We're talking about Bam of the Opera. We're talking about Dracula, Frankenstein, the Wolfman. Um, Gilman or Creature from the Black Lagoon as we like to call him Frankenstein um, I feel like I'm missing somebody in there The um, Invisible Man The Invisible Man uh, I mean we missed him because he's invisible um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, these were movies that were extremely popular from the 1930s all the way to like the tail end of the 50s um, and pretty much put Universal on the map for horror movies. Um, so there's a little like discrepancy on how it started. Some people say the original family opera with Lon Chaney. Others say Dracula. I mean, Lon Chaney, obviously, that's a popular. But when you think about what started the Universal Monsters, you think about Dracula. You think about Bela Lugosi. Yeah, so, no, no fan of the opera. It was definitely Dracula. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm a Dracula person, so I'm going to agree with you wholeheartedly on that. <laughs> so in order to um, 
break the ice a little bit, we're going to play a little icebreaker. So I have a little fun. Um, I just thought of some crazy questions. So we're going to call it the Universal Monsters Monster Match. So who do you think is the most romantic monster? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I would say Frankenstein. I would the say the monster. I'm sorry, Frankenstein's monster. Correct. You know. Yeah. Um, I agree, but then I don't agree. Um, I would say uh, Frankenstein, but more specifically, I would say Dracula. But I feel like I'm talking about Dracula from different iterations, and not this one. Um, but I also think Creature from the Black Lagoon, because you have to think about that moment where they're like swimming in tandem with each other and he's like lusting after her. I mean, yeah, you know, I agree with that. As romantic as a creature from the Black Lagoon could be, I mean, I'm wearing the shirt. So um, obviously I'm a little biased, <laughs> um, but <Yeah. laughs> what monster is most likely to cause a fight? Like intentional or unintentional? Uh, let's go intentional. Intentional? I'm going to say Dracula, definitely. I'm going to say Invisible Man. I feel like he's he's a little bit of a, you know, he's a little bit of a crapster, you know? I feel like he just likes to start things for fun. I don't know why. I just get that vibe from him. Yeah, you know, I can see that. I think uh, I personally think it's Dracula just because if it's intentional, he's got, he wants to be the alpha. He wants to be the, the king. He wants to be the ruler. He's the boss, whatever it doesn't happen, you know, it's up to him, but he wants the, you know, he wants the, um, the attention. Yeah. He wants people to appear, you know, um, best and he's the prince. Obviously. Um, yeah. <laughs> best drinker. Wolfman. <laughs> yeah you know what i fully agree with that do we feel like he's a whiskey man uh, you know i would say a vodka but that's just me i'm thinking whiskey like because you know he's already got the hair on his chest so like whiskers yeah you're right, right you know and you know when i when i've ever tried whiskey it's just been a bad idea and i feel like i have hair growing on my chest afterwards so i feel like what go ahead, go ahead. no you go ahead oh, i'm sorry I feel, I feel like the Wolfman just for the mere fact. If you watch the Monster Squad, he was they didn't actually go out, outright say it, but you could tell he was clearly an alcoholic in that movie. Yes, yeah. I mean it was a tween movie though, so I mean they can't like they, they could only go so it. far with that, right? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> best cook, obviously Dracula's taken out of this because Dracula's a prince. We know he's not cooking. Yeah. Um, we're going on a limb. I'm going to say Bride of Frankenstein. Ooh. Um, I forgot Bride of Frankenstein when I was saying <laughs> the, the intro. That's horrible because I love Bride of Frankenstein. Um, but um, I would say, I don't know, Frankenstein. You know, in the Bride of Frankenstein, he learned some pretty, like he learned stuff pretty quickly. I feel like if you put him in a, like a rapid fire kind of situation, he could figure a way to turn it out. Oh, yeah, definitely. I agree with you. And, you know, he, he already got some sparks. So, you know, hook him up with a skill, you know, a skillet or something. He's right. Good. I mean, if, if the electricity goes out, he's already he's got his own. Yeah. I, he's I mean, a generator, so you're good. 
right i mean um oh my gosh what's the monster high dolls that are like the version of them that actually happens with like the frankenstein's daughter the she like the electricity goes out and she like powers stuff with her bolts. oh with her bolts yes <laughs> um i didn't know that that's interesting my son's obsessed with uh monster high and i like oh, okay. monster high too at one point so yeah um dracula or the mummy which one's better dracula yes okay i'm gonna say dracula in this instance but if we're talking about the 1999 masterpiece that is the mummy with brendan frazier and arnold Vosloo, then i'm gonna pick that one oh yeah i mean that's a classic right i mean like yeah there actually is a post so you know me i'm in a bunch of facebook groups I'm in one about the mummy, like the mummy memes, like they make different memes. And there was a guy that actually like, they were talking to him and he was like, you know, what, if any movie you could pick on IMAX, what movie would you like watch? And a lot of people were saying like their wedding video or like their child's graduation. And he's like, I would pick the 1999 masterpiece that is the mummy. And he's like, you're a dick. Why wouldn't you, um, (laughs) pick like your wedding video or whatever he's like have you ever seen the masterpiece that is the 1999 the mummy you would pick it too so yeah, i feel I like saw that. i saw that meme that's yes hilarious yes <laughs> i i'm like that's me i mean and like jim Absolutely. would be like yeah yeah that's that just sounds good um wolfman <laughs> or the invisible man that's a tough one i'm gonna have to go with the og wolfman please Wolfman for me too. Um, what does what do we feel like the Invisible Man drinks? Because you know he's got like the smoker's jacket. He's got the whole like suave thing going for him. What do we think he drinks? Gin and tonic. He has to be. He has to be on his wits. Yes. Or he, you know he's he's like he's like that top tier drinker, like the Great Gatsby kind of drinker yeah. that like top shelf level only. Top shovel, <laughs> like yeah. The, yep. Exactly. Um, who do we feel like is the most villainous of the monsters? You know. I'm going to say the invisible man, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, that's actually my same answer too. And I, so in preparation, obviously for this episode, I was watching different videos um, earlier about the, the universal monsters. And um, it's been a while since I saw the invisible man, but it made me realize like how much of a dick he kind of is throughout that movie. Like, yeah Yeah, like uh, you know other than like obviously like the undertones that are in some of the universal monster movies um like his is intentional you know we're obviously like Bella Lugosi like you know he's obviously a villain and he's portraying it that way but like Frankenstein you know he's just being made and he's just trying to survive as a person the wolfman's trying to adapt like the bride of frankenstein same thing gilman you know these people just come traipsing in and he's just like what are you guys doing in my environment so i feel like invisible man's like the worst well i agree with that because you know let's look at dracula not to keep you know focus on dracula but he is the original big baddie let's focus let's um if you look at dracula right he essentially he had to be born or made somehow depending on which route you go for his history via that he was a human that went you know basically a barbaric warrior or you know let's just say he was just 
poofed into existence. Well, that's all he's ever known. So he's just following natural instincts as opposed to the visible man who was raised human, who chose to do depending on what version we're talking on, which ones are, you know, which uh, remakes and et cetera. He's just, he's choosing to do this. Dracula is not choosing. That's his life. He has to be in control. He literally has to drink our blood. If not, he dies. You know, he has to be like that. Yeah, they're actually, the video that I watched, they were talking about how, like, if you go back and you watch the original Dracula, how it's almost, um, I don't want to say anti-Semitic, but it's almost like the foreigner against these white, rich, um, British, European type people that, you know, this person's coming in their environment, they don't like him. So it's almost like they're vilified, like, obviously, he's Dracula, he's coming to get you. But it's almost like they vilify him for everything he's doing. So he kind of feels like if they're already vilifying him, then he might as well be that person. So and you kind of see that touched upon when you get on to the the later, like the later movies and the remakes and stuff like that. Um, Last question. Worst remake. (sighs) <sighs> that's a tough one um you know let me let me just start off with saying the best remake and why we will never get a remake like that again mm-hmm. i'm gonna go with the 2010 wolfman for the best remake but also the reason we're not gonna get a remake like that because that one's tra- stayed as accurate as true you know with what it had to work with very little material it had to build upon it but it stayed within the same realm of the original universe monster franchises but with that being said, that one bombed. It tanked in the box office. For some reason, people didn't love it. I loved it because I'm also a big Universal Monster fan. I loved, I it. loved it. Yeah, you see, most people loved it, except for they didn't go to the theaters to show their love or there wasn't enough of us. Because it made a little bit of money. It didn't do too bad, but it flopped in the eyes of the studios. I feel like it wasn't, there wasn't enough promotion. I feel like, they didn't promote it as enough as they should. Like, if you look at how they promoted it versus how they promoted The Mummy, the, yeah. the 2017 when it came out, um, I think that's a big reason why, too. And I feel like they had already stacked a couple of really bad remakes around that time. Not The Wolfman, but, like, other remakes that were happening in the 2000s to 2010s that I think it just got lost in that whole, like, fray of things. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you on that. They, you know, but unfortunately, they didn't go out. So what we're going to get now is, you brought it up right now, the mummy remake we're gonna get movies like that they're no longer gonna be set in horror they're gonna be set in action you know that's what the new movies are the remakes you know they're, they're still gonna um they're still gonna work towards a dark universe universal wants a dark universe still they want that they're gonna work towards it and we might in the next five years five to ten years we're probably gonna get another re- mummy remake well, you know? we'll talk about that in a little bit but my oh. worst remake is the mummy and i i I kind of have opinions about that that I will bring up later, but I just feel like they let certain people get too much power when it came to that. And that was not the movie that they should have put their faith in. Yeah. With putting the dark universe. Like if I Dracula untold was done before that, if I was doing that, I would have put more money on that 
than the, what the faith that they put in the mummy. Like I understand Tom Cruise is like star power, but Dracula told, I felt like it was a lot better story. It made sense for the character. It might not have been the best compared to other iterations of Dracula, but it was probably the best we could hope for in that moment. The mummy remake. I mean, let's just be honest. It was Tom Cruise having too much control over a character that he probably shouldn't have had control over. And he wanted to be the star versus the mummy being the star. And if you look at every mummy movie before that, Imhotep is the star. Like obviously Brendan Fraser is a huge part of the mummy movie in the mummy and the mummy returns, but Imhotep is the star. Like that's the person that all of this is going on. And he's also a sympathetic character. The way that they played out the 2017 movie, I mean, I still will watch it, but I have no respect for it when it comes to canon because I just feel like, I feel like the movie was kind of taken hostage in my sense. I I agree with that, absolutely. Yeah, so I just feel like, I feel like the direction they're going in now is better because like when I watched the invisible man, the new one, that was a holy cathartic experience. That's the last movie I saw before everything was shut down. And that was a deep underlying, like that's kind of the feeling that you want to have when we talk about universal monster movies, like that feeling that stays with you. Like, you know, that story and it's very rooted in what you know the the themes that were going on the 2017 mummy movie was not rooted in those same things well i have the when it comes to that new invisible man the uh, what what, uh, 2000 what year it came out 2020 2020 uh 2020 okay that the new invisible man basically you know the major difference between that and the other universal movies reboots Mm -hmm. blumhouse exactly so we're yeah, we're definitely going to get into that. So now we're going to we're going to get into the good stuff. Yeah, we're going to get into record. Okay, so we already talked about who the Universal Monsters are, but for those who weren't paying attention, it's the Gilman, Bride of Frankenstein, which I forgot earlier. Frankenstein, Wolfman, Phantom of the Opera, um, Dracula, and Invisible Man. Invisible Man. Yeah, I keep forgetting the Invisible Man. Like, I apparently I have beef with the Invisible Man now. <laughs> um, but this was like a huge span of movies. And you know what's crazy? I just found out about the Dracula movie. So obviously we have Dracula Bell Lugosi, but the same set that that was used was also the same set they used for the Spanish version of Dracula. So they yes. filmed both of them at the same time. So it was like, you know, when one film would be going on, they'd pack up for the day and then the Spanish crew would come in and they'd film at night. So I did not know that. Have you seen the Spanish one? No, I have not. Oh, even if you have to read a subtitle, I'm not sure there's a dub for it, but even if you have to read the subtitles, it is so much better. At least for the center of photography. I mean, I, I know some Spanish, but I could just... (laughs) even if I just have to like just not understand what's going on like I I kind of would figure it out anyways yeah you can see you can see it (laughs) yeah if if you're a movie buff then you know you know especially if you like cinema photography it is superior 
that aspect of the film is superior. They, they both follow the same line, you know. It's not like two separate, you know, branching arcs. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the Spanish one, if you get anybody, the listeners or anybody gets a chance to watch it, definitely check it out in Spanish. I'm not, not saying not watch the English one. Definitely watch the English one. That watch one both has versions. Better- that's what we're saying. Yeah. Yeah, watch both. <laughs> watch both. So um so who's your favorite out of the universal monster? Like, I mean, obviously we just kind of like went through that little game, but like out of yeah. yours, who who do you feel like is your favorite? Who do you feel like you relate to the most? All right, relate to the most probably uh creature a uh, combination of creature from Black Lagoon and um Frankenstein. Both those two are my my favorite. If I have to choose an uh, absolute favorite, it would have to be Creature from the Black Lagoon, just mm-hmm. because I grew up watching that. You know, yeah. AMC. If you remember AMC, they used to just do before The Walking Dead and all the TV shows. They used to do old movies. That's all they did. And mm-hmm. I grew up on Saturdays. They used to do marathons of those, and I just sat there when I didn't have any you know activities going on, and I would just binge watch all before there was even a word binge watch yeah yeah (laughs) yeah you had to like root yourself I I completely like relate to that 100% because that's the same way that like I saw them was you know you would catch marathons of them and you were just entranced with like the fact that this was on the tele even though you knew that this is something that was like years obviously prior because it's in black and white you were just entranced um which definitely speaks to like the quality of what they were doing with the universal monster movies um my favorite this shouldn't come for a surprise for anyone who listens to this podcast but um a creature from the black lagoon is obviously my favorite too and um dracula i don't know why but vampires for me always growing up especially dracula i have just related to and i feel like there was something rob zombie said a while ago he kind of talked about the universal monsters and it's kind of the reason you relate to them is like for him he wasn't the cool kid growing up he was you know the weird kid the one that liked the you know the scary movies and um got into all of this so for him that was like that was comforting being the outsider he could relate to that and I can totally relate to that too because I kind of feel like it wasn't socially acceptable for where I lived to be a plus size woman who liked horror and was expressing that at that time. Well, plus size girl, because obviously, yeah, now yeah. I'm a woman. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I just feel like I kind of related to that. So like vampires for me, I definitely related to because they were they're on the fringe, you know, they're shunned yeah. from society they didn't care they just kind of went on doing what they were doing and you know people be damned yeah no i agree with i agree with you on that on the on everything you just said especially the rob zombie part um you know let's face it that at least now it's more acceptable in pop culture's point of view mm-hmm. but back then you would literally be the only kid in school to watch any monster movies, not just horror monster, universal monsters, but any kaiju, you know, Godzilla film. I was a big Godzilla buff, you know. I mean, the dub ones from straight Japan or like VHS. Or any of, like, I know I was super into, like, The Lost Boys, The Crow, oh, yeah. um, Near Dark. I was into all of those. And I know, like, for me, The Crow, like, I had, um, like, action figures of The Crow. 
and I had um, like the special editions. Um, fun fact that not a lot of people realize, I actually have a tattoo of the crow on my back. I have it. Nice. it yeah, I have it can't rain all the time with crows on my back um, because I just yeah. love it. And um, I'm glad I have it now because my my uncle passed away and he was the one who had me watch the crow. Um, yeah. So it makes me think of him all the time. And I cry watching it now because I think of him, but I cried before it. But yeah, I mean, Sorry like, oh, <laughs> thank you. It was like, it's ten, it was 10 years ago. Um, but, you know, he was a big part of why I got into horror, but I can definitely relate to like what you were saying for me in school. I was this crazy kid that was like, I had all these, like, you know, I had pictures of like the monsters on my folder or whatever. And like, yeah. I, I actually had, <laughs> I brought this up in our vampire episode. I had an encyclopedia of vampires, um, that I literally would like tote around and read. And I'd be reading all these like strange and weird books, like the Stephen King books. I had like it's and all the other like different ones. And people just look at me like I'm a murderer. And yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. But no, I'm, I, I, that's, that's my life right there. Legit. I think I may have had one other kid in school that was into as monsters as I was. You know, you do not meet people now is different, you know, because, you know, everything's streaming, everything's popular. But back then, you did not get that. So that was, you know, that's exciting that you brought that up. Yeah, that, that was me. You know, I, I felt very, and this is why I, re, I said the creature from Black Lagoon, I said uh, um, um, Frankenstein, because I felt very much alone in my own little world. And then somebody's coming into my world, especially with like the creature from the Black Lagoon, he's just chilling in his own pond. And the scientists go down there and start messing with them. Yeah, I had bullies growing up. Yeah. And, you know, someone brought this up and I didn't even think about it, but like, you know, when they're in the boat and stuff, like they're just like throwing cigarettes in the water and stuff like that. And the one woman um, that plays, that's like the titular character, the the woman that plays her, um, she was saying that like, you know, it wasn't anything to like, think about that back then about like, you know, littering in the water, smoking wherever you want. But now that you think about it, like, the creature from the black lagoon like you know he's just in this habitat and these people come in and they're just disrespecting like his area they're just getting all up in his business and all he's trying to do is survive so then when he like goes on the offensive then he's the problem not them so yeah. um you know definitely deep undertones but yeah no i understand 100 because Brittany, um Brittany, if you're listening we love you um, <laughs> Brittany was that friend for me. Like she was my gateway friend, like her mother, Myrna would let us watch all kinds of different horror movies. And my parents were very just like, yeah, you're not doing that. Um, they would let me watch certain ones, but like Brittany's mom was like, I think you guys are old enough to like handle this. And I think you guys will be fine. So Brittany would let me watch all kinds of kinds of movies like Nightbreed you posted the other day Nightbreed yeah. Brittany had me watch Nightbreed when I was like 14 years old and terrified the crap out of me but I loved <laughs> it but it was like holy crap what is this um yeah. so yeah I definitely feel like that's why the universal monsters are relatable because they're just people trying to survive trying to exist and you have these other people around them 
that are just accosting them for who they are. Um, and I feel like that's what, you know, being a horror fan back in the blockbuster days and the, you know, days of having to like, basically sell your soul to get a copy of your favorite movie were. So, um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I miss blockbuster. Blockbuster, I used to work there. I used to work there. (laughs) That was my dream. My, I, I, aim, I mean, I feel like I should probably have aimed higher, but that was like my dream of working at Blockbusters. Like I had a Blockbusters literally that was five minutes away from us. And as soon as like my mother was like, yeah, you can walk down, you know, this busy street by yourself. I was like, I'm going to Blockbusters. See you. Bye. <laughs> and yeah, well, I, that was the place. <laughs> yeah. And he, and they would know me because I'd be that like crazy kid that come in and be like, excuse me, do you have this oddly obscure movie that I really want to watch? And they'd be like, uh, are you sure you don't want like a copy of Snow White? No, I want this movie. <laughs> you so, should have came and asked me. I would have, I'm, I was that weirdo that knew that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was Jim too. Jim worked at Walmart and that's kind of how we like knew each other was he worked in the movie section like the electronics and I was always in the horror section um and so that's kind of how we met and then I didn't even think about it and years later started dating and I'm like yeah that's the guy that I had a crush on that worked in the horror section so apparently that was meant to be it was it was written instead of written in the stars it was written on the box there you go yes yeah exactly (laughs) so we're going to talk about the people behind the monsters. So obviously the Lugosi, um, Boris Karloff, Lon Chaney, who was the original family opera and his son, Lon Chaney Jr. was the actual Wolfman and actually played like son of Dracula. And then a few other characters along. Um, so yeah, I mean, you think about those characters, Boris Karloff, and Bella Lugosi, I mean, I feel like we're never going to see actors like that ever again. Oh, no. No, we're not. And then um, one name you, you forgot, and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, he voiced the visible man, Adam Pierce. Yes. Yes, I did forget him. Yeah. So apparently, yeah. I told you. time actor. Yeah, I told you I have beef with the Invisible Man. Like we're beefing <laughs> right now. You're uh, mentally blocking it out. <laughs> yeah, no, we're not beefing. Uh, I am definitely a fan of the Invisible Man movies, but um, but yeah, I mean, like for me, um, Bella Lugosi was huge. Like, yeah. I feel like everyone collectively thinks of Dracula with a Hungarian accent, like the children yeah. of the night, <laughs> like you know. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, um, he was such a good human being. It's so weird because he plays the, you know, the most, at the time, villainous, you know, creature on film. But he, and behind the scenes, he was such a good man. I forget um, the gentleman that played the uh, hunchback of Notre Dame. Um, he was a hunchback in that movie. And um, he, the, um, he stuck up for him to get the same pay as him. Otherwise, he, he was not going to do the movie. He was going to walk too. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. YouTube, if you have a chance, go up and look YouTube interviews and there's documents that he was, he was gonna walk out from being Dracula, just walk away from it. But then he stuck up for his people. 
I will tell you, going down a YouTube rabbit hole, the people <laughs> who were the actual like form, the people in the suit for Creature for the Black Lagoon, those people are real ones. The process behind that, if you guys ever get time, like YouTube this, the process behind that is insane. The woman who like drew it, I mean, if you look at the drawings and stuff, she actually went on the press tours, which I didn't even know about, but, um, like it's very similar, like from her vision to like what actually went, but they were talking about like the process of them getting in the suits. It took two hours and then they were in it the whole day. And the one guy was talking about how they had him in a leotard and then they put glue on and they would stick sections on. And the glue would actually like burn through it. And he has actual scars from where like he, when he was glued in, where it actually burned him. Um, But these people were in these costumes like the whole entire day. And I just couldn't imagine like, you know, Creature from the Black Lagoon, notoriously, that was filmed on the back lot in California. Um, Yeah. So I could not imagine being in that suit all day, every day. Except for the um, the underwater scenes, believe it or not, instead of filming those in California where we don't have crocodiles or alligators, they actually filmed that those scenes, so at least for the original film, in Florida. Really, they all the way to Florida. Yeah, and he had a he or she. I'm not sure. I'm not entirely sure who was the actor behind it, but um, the whoever was in the suit for that given film period had to hold their breath for four minutes. Yes, That's crazy. That is yes. crazy. Yeah, the guy that was in the suit when uh, he was talking about how at one point in time it was hard for him to see in the suit at one part. So he was carrying the actress and he like he was trying to see and he ended up like dropping the actress like the actress started moving in his and he was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And so there is like a notorious picture of him in the suit with um his other male co-star where the female co-star is actually getting like bandaged up from like him accidentally banging her into the fake like rocks or whatever um but it's crazy to me that like the artistry behind that because they actually have like recreations of the suit now from like some of the molds and the guy that i watched in the video like him going through the suit like that's insane like the people literally like hand sculpted that and like I just can't I mean I feel like that's a big reason why we like the creature from the black lagoon because you can see that on film when he's in the scenes and stuff like that you know that that's a person in that suit it's not CGI it's not anything like that you know I'm with you there that's I mean just the fact alone four minutes in that you know that suit is heavy it's filling up with water and at one part they had to wait his shoes for that scene when he gets on the boat and it's making the like the 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 squishing sound like um they waited his shoes with like he like i forget what they said they did it for to get that so imagine like having like 10 pound shoes and he's got like helium like balloons or whatever so it's making that squishing noise on top of already being in that makeup and 
the the mask when they show like his um face when it's got like the gurgling and stuff like that that's a practical effect so they had to have the actual rigging up in this guy's face so i couldn't imagine i couldn't do that i'm sorry absolutely not i mean i'm i'm not the tallest guy i'm five nine but you know i'm pretty well you know thick well i'm five nine too so yeah i couldn't yeah i couldn't do that (laughs) yeah no it's not happening i am committed to horror but i i can't do that sorry no not happening Okay, but also uh, the creature from Black Goom, what makes it so special, if you look at the timeline of all the movies, um, there's like a good 10 to maybe 12 or 15 years gap between the last real monster movie. Uh, Universal put out different movies, you know, different type of monster movies, but they were all flop and they're not, you know, yes. they're not that great. Yeah, the, the, the last the creature revived it. Right. He was like the last, the last one, the last one kind of out. And then that's when they started. And that's kind of segueing into what I was going to talk about next, which was the Abbott and Costello movies, which kind of like, that was their attempt to like breathe new life into, you know, the monster movies. So, which in theory is a good, I I mean, they're, they're comical. I, I do love them. I love the idea that they're putting the characters all together in one kind of like environment. Um, but I wish we could have got like a Freddy versus, I mean, I mean, I know they had like House of Dracula and like the Wolfman and stuff like that, or House of Frankenstein where they had the different ones. But I feel like I wish we would have got like a Freddy versus Jason type where they mashed them together. Well, they, they you know, the, I believe they set the blueprint for Freddy versus Jason. Right. Because we had the Wolfman versus uh, Frankenstein. Right. And that was and the first... I completely forgot about that. That was the first movie that essentially was what Marvel fans know as the MCU, the cinematic universe. Yeah. And that, you know, they don't get no credit for that. Universal started that whole trend before anyone else did. But, yes. you know, that, you know, you're talking about grandparent days, 1940s, 1950s, you know, and they did so well. The Abel and Costello, yeah, it's for laughs, but I also feel like it took. It introduced them to more eyes. It did because those movies. If you look at the box office numbers, those movies made more money than Dracula. They really right. they made they made money. So that's why they had so many of them. But they also, if you look and actually watch the movies, they made the main characters that they didn't use like you know wannabe ones or new characters that were introduced. Besides the uh, creature from the Black Lagoon, they used the the stables. They used the main fractions of all of them. And, you know, they made Dracula look like a joke. The mummy looked like a joke, you know? Yeah, it, I kind of, so I like Abbott and Costello. I think they are funny. But for me, yeah, like any movie, like bringing that together, I feel like the one that's done that best so far, and it's technically not like the universal monster, but we're kind of saying it is, is the monster squad. Like that to Absolutely, me yeah. is like chef's kiss like that's perfect especially like the guy who did night of the comet like are you kidding yeah. me well it's the redheaded stepchild yeah <laughs> yeah one. it's the redheaded stepchild of the you know the monster universe but it probably did the best job of bringing them all together and like the oh, guy really that um is one of the main characters from the monster squad i was watching that into the darkness the 80s documentary Um, And I think it was the first one, not the second one, but he was saying, you know, they didn't 
like set out to make like a teenager movie but that's essentially like what they did is they made a movie that was like in between like the kids and the adults um but yeah. it works well they, they they had to they couldn't go unfortunately i would love to see a rated r cut of it you know like the snyder could you cut, imagine yes, i was about to say That'd could you crazy. imagine a rated r cut of that like but they, but they couldn't they couldn't though that's why they had the little girl in the film with frankenstein you know frankenstein was protecting her which that's one of the highlights for me in the as a monster fan it shows that even though frankenstein is this big scary creature and he's not the doctor frankenstein but everyone calls him frankenstein it's it's the fact that he is willing to give up everything just to save his friendship with this little girl you know and that's frankenstein has the biggest heart of them all yeah and it kind of it kind of shows like the redemption like you know from the original frankenstein when he accidentally kills the little girl yeah you know you kind of see that he didn't intend for that to happen you know that was something that just like jarred him but it's not like he was inherently evil it was just he didn't know what he was doing at that point in time yeah he was a he was literally what, like thirty minutes old, maybe an hour yeah. old. He was a baby, he was an infant. Right, the, like he he needed better like training. Like it's more on the doctor than him. So well, that's why that's why I think the Bride of Frankenstein is so good. Even though it's called the Bride of Frankenstein, it's essentially a more deeper insight to Frankenstein. Yeah, he's the main star. Yeah, and you you get the iconic line of "We're better off dead." Yeah, and I mean that's just like reality hitting him in the face like yeah all he wants to do is be you know have friends and be loved he's looking for love he's looking for friends and then you know he he's a newborn imagine if you you know you know children two or three years old and you're getting chased by pitchforks and torches you know and you have the the strength of hercules you know i mean you're gonna do something un accidentally so you know i mean it's gonna be bad yeah (laughs) no it's it's going to be horrible so obviously like after Abbott and Costello and like other attempts the the universal monsters kind of just stayed dormant for a while and then we got like the 1990s where they were doing the source material where you had the Mary Shelley's Frankenstein you had Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula you had the mummy the 1999 version where they were trying to be more closer to source material um, I will say I do enjoy most of those, um, especially Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula. I just feel like maybe because the more the romance is there, you kind of yeah. get more like in the original Dracula. I don't feel like you get that as much, whereas in the Francis Ford Coppola version, you get that like gothic romance. You get that like like I watched it last night and I will fully admit that I cried. I cried (laughs) during that one, just because you get it. Like he's just, he's this person that like really was trying to do this right thing. And he sacrificed the woman he loved to do it. And since then he's holding on to that same way with the mummy, like the mummy, you know, you get the original, obviously Boris Karloff, but the, you know, the mummy, the 1999 version you know, you get that painfulness, like, you know, he was in love with this woman, he had to watch her die. And all he's trying to do is get her back. And unfortunately, because of that, he has to do all these crazy messed up things. And I mean, the mummy, that's my 
like one of my top comfort movies. Like I can watch that literally every single time. If somebody's got that on in like a sports bar or whatever, I'm stopping, we're going to watch it. Like that's just. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's BF. BF is my BFF. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like Brendan, I mean, Brendan Fraser is a national treasure. Let's just be honest. Like, I'm glad that he's Oh yeah. I'm glad that he's back because like he, Brendan Frazier is just, we need to protect him at all costs. He is the, the Betty White of the horror realm. They need to go back and make another mummy, but if they do, they should bring him back. Even if it's just the cameo, not to have him in any money. Um, yeah. I don't think he can. I, I don't know if you know this, but when they were doing the third one, like by the end of it, he could like, he, they, had to like redo his whole entire back like he was barely hanging on with like duct tape um yeah no no i'm, I'm not saying athletic stuff he could just be standing down having a conversation just as like a quick pen uh, a comment, yeah you know, yeah pen. i know i think that's perfect and i think that's definitely something he would do because i mean he's very gracious when it comes to like being referenced back to the mummy like he he knows that that's what people know him for and he loves people recognizing him for that um, yeah. I think that would be great for him. Um, I love him. He's also, and he, he has an autistic child as well. And yeah. I just like that. He's very vocal. Like, I feel like he got really crapped on because of the stuff that he was talking about with the sexual assault. Um, sorry, that's a trigger warning. Um, but I just feel like, you know, Hollywood kind of just threw him away afterwards. And I don't think that that was warranted because he just did such like top tier work like and you can tell he did all the stuff in the mummy because if you watch it like frame by frame like I've done that before it's all him like there's not a single moment where I'm like actually truly feel like I'm seeing a stunt person like probably there is but I'm just not seeing it you know i have no idea as far as you know that's like your hardcore your hardcore i put it on i'll watch it i've never been one of those people to pause it now i rewind it i'm like oh that was badass let me rewind yeah but you know and whoever's with me watching television or the or blu-ray whatever or 4k they hate that because we're like get on with the movie i'm rewinding it oh i'm the worst to watch a movie with like i just want to dissect it and also too like i just want to like add commentary to it and I want to talk through it and I want to have a full discussion about it and mostly yeah and most of the people around me are like yeah we're not doing that friend like you you need to stop you're a little crazy um but Um, I'm okay with that sure real quick um I'm not sure if you're aware of this or not but you know how uh Frankenstein how he has the bolts in his neck Mm -hmm. right and other uh before the universal got a hold of him the general concept was he was just like this figure put together, right? Universal is the one that had the bolts in his neck to make him more like robotic. And that's really? the stable of everyone. Yeah. And he wasn't green. He was gray originally. It wasn't until they started adding color to the characters. That's when somebody decided to make him green. So, you know, the and the bolts now are iconic. And that's because of Universal. And nobody gives them the credit for that. I we're going to talk about something in a minute because I, oh, I it makes sense it, yeah it makes sense uh so the new obviously we talked about the new I love the wolf I love the fact that you brought up the wolfman I love the wolfman I thought that that was a great movie I wish we could have saw more from there obviously we had like the start of a dark universe so let's get into the dark universe um let's do it let's do it 
Um, do you feel like the dark universe would have been a good idea? In, I think the dark universe is still, sorry. No, I mean like in the form that they were trying to do with the more action side of it. Uh, if they would have took the action of, let's say, its predecessors of Blade, and uh -huh. you know, like how that was a comic movie, but they 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 were set to make that more action than anything else, and they showed the action, but they also showed the gore and the blood and stuff. In order for Universal to do that, they have to be willing to make a radar film, and I don't think they're willing to commit to that. They wanted PG thirteen, and unfortunately, with the kind of action they're doing, they somebody's. I personally feel somebody sat down, smoked a little magic doobie, and watched <laughs> 28 Days Later and decided, oh, let's make them up. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of, I, so for me, uh, I, you know, I said this earlier, but I am kind of glad that that whole idea flopped because of the fact that then Lee Wynell and Blumhouse got a hold of, you know, floating the idea of the invisible man and now you know i don't know if you know this but now they're set to do the future remakes of yeah. like the monster movies but i kind of am glad that they did that because a first of all blumhouse is huge like let's be honest oh, like, that's my favorite studio right that's like my Blum studio. blumhouse was birthed out of like the greatest, one of the greatest horror successes ever, like Paranormal Activity. Paranormal Activity yeah. was made on like shoestring budget and made millions upon millions of dollars. Like that's that's how we got Blumhouse. Yeah, I think it was 30 to 60,000 or something like that the very first yeah, time. Yeah, it was. It was yes, and Brittany and I have said this before and it, it there's an episode that's coming out tomorrow where we talk about this. So spoiler alert for you. Uh, but um, Mika is the worst, worst character ever, like in a horror movie. Like that man just sold out his whole girlfriend yeah. just so he could play with a little Ouija board. But that's what makes that movie work. So I'm not going to complain yeah. about that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, like, so Blumhouse having that, like, obviously they've, gone on and done such huge things i mean they've done get out they've done uh freaky they you know they consistently birth you know they have the halloween movies now yeah. so obviously they're a powerhouse and lee wynell you know saw um dead silence yeah. i mean just stuff upon stuff of just greatness so the fact that they got a hold of the invisible man is one thing but as someone um so i'm going to put a trigger warning on this um but as someone who's been through domestic violence oh. the fact that that movie is so grounded in reality and kind of speaks to what is going on now with like misogyny and domestic violence and how domestic violence can be perceived that is a whole level of just something that I never even thought about for the invisible man. The fact that someone thought, sat down and thought, Hey, how can we reinvent the invisible man? And someone went, well, what if the invisible man was a stalker and this was part of a violent relationship? So then the fact that they grounded it and, you know, like you said, someone was just, at Universal was looking to start a PG-13, you know, megaverse like the Marvel. This yeah. is not that. Blumhouse, if they're going for it, they're going for your throat. 
So yeah, they're going to be R. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be R and you know that there's going to be a lot of gore or, you know, gory effects. Um, I don't think necessarily the invisible man is super, I mean, there are super gory scenes talking about next um, spoiler yeah. alert if you haven't seen that movie. Uh, but yeah, I mean, but the invisible man more so, I feel like a lot of it is for me that kind of was like cathartic for me. I almost cried watching it is just, they got on spot on the feeling of second guessing yourself that whole entire time in that situation. Like, am I the crazy one? Like, I don't feel like maybe I'm not, I am the crazy one, but I feel like I probably am second guessing yourself being emotionally gaslit. Like all of those things, they just hit head on. So I feel like if that's what they're going to do for the future movies, then that's how we're going to get a dark universe. Well, I'll tell you this right now. Blumhouse, if you're listening to this, and I know you are, you have my blessings. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, right. No. Yeah. Yeah. Then, I mean if you not to interrupt, but if you if you if you remember it came out, gosh, 98-99, Hollow Man. That was mm-hmm. a knockoff version of Visible Man. I'm not gonna mention a certain scene, but if you saw the movie, you know what I'm talking about. Kevin Bacon uh, you know, forces himself on somebody. Yes. Um, not the human, but you know, invisible man part. Um, I feel like that shouldn't have been there. And what they did with this, um, the new invisible man and how they made that into a more reality based, you know what I mean? How they, yes. they took that character and he was, a, he was an a-hole before he put on the suits. You know, yes. he was a scumbag. He was a major scumbag. And That's I feel saying. like he hates the character. And I feel like it was a double entendre because a lot of the movie, when it's unfolding, it's talking about how, you know, he's this brilliant scientist and person that like everyone loves, but they know he's a megalomaniac. They know that he's got these tendencies, but they put up with them. And because of that, it's his wife that's suffering. And you see how meticulously he's managed her whole entire life. And well, he's two-faced. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, it makes sense that he's the invisible man because he has the persona that people see and then his true self that's invisible from everyone else. So I feel yes. like that was a good, like, metaphor. Yes, that's that. Thank you. You said it correctly. That's perfect. It is a perfect metaphor. I really like the fact that they made him a a-hole to begin with. You know, that's yes. unlike other other versions of the Invisible Man where he takes a formula and he's invisible for X and if when he first goes invisible, he's, he's still a good, decent person. And then eventually he starts losing his mind. This this new one. No, he's just an a-hole to begin with. You yeah, know, he was out. just he's, he was just he's, dumb. he's lower than dumb. Yeah, he was just that's who. And a lot of the movie is her second guessing herself, people around her second guessing herself. And yeah. Then when, like, in the mid-movie, when you realize, no, this is, like, what she's actually seeing is what is going on, um, that takes it to a whole other level. And then you get that, like, guttural fight. And it's, like I said, it's someone who's been through a situation like that. Like, 100%, that is your mentality. Like, you're just trying to fight to get out, you know? So I just felt like it was such a beautiful way to bring that back because that's what universal monster movies were all about they were all about these underlying themes that were just 
nobody wanted to talk about, but they did yeah. it in such a way that nobody really thought about it until they came home and thought about it. You know, it was all the subtext that got unloaded onto people. And then when they go home and process it, it was like, wow, like. Well, yeah. And then you look at like the new one, we're talking about the new invisible man. If you're just joining us, um, that new one is, is really great considering how much of the source material they really had to work with. A lot of those movies, they ran less than an hour. You know, yes. some of them were hour, 10 minutes, but traditionally they were like 45 minutes. They were short. Well, and they picked, they picked really good people because like um, the main character, oh my gosh, I'm trying to think of her name, the actress, because I love her. She's in The Handmaiden's Tale. And yes, I know who you're talking about. Yes. Elizabeth Moss, I think yeah. it is. Um she's wonderful to begin with and she was perfect for that and the guy who plays the invisible the actual invisible man uh this is like a like a fun fact he was in the dracula tv series that came out a couple years prior from nbc that had john reese myers in it he played jonathan harker in it so from like the early 2000s right yeah uh it was like 2013 2014 this was like the era when Hannibal was still like NBC was going grittier so they had like grim Hannibal they did Dracula and Dracula did well but then John Reese Myers he had some issues with um alcoholism and so they never got a second season but um so then the guy that plays the invisible man I'm sorry if I, I don't remember your name right now. So I apologize if you ever listen to this podcast. I still love you. But um, he was also in The Haunting of Hill House. And, yeah. and so then he went on and did this. So yeah, so it's interesting to see that. But I feel like they picked really great people to play the um, characters. And it just made for a strong thing. So I know like the next ones that they're talking about coming up are like Dracula. I think Dracula is like the the number one one that's being said that's going to come up, and um, Wolfman is another one. Wolfman, I can get behind, but I want to see either Frankenstein personally or the creature from the Black Lagoon. Because if you think about, it, we haven't got the Black Lagoon creature since Monster Squad. No, because I feel like I feel like that's been such a hard one to adapt. And this is going to segue into what we're going to talk about next, because um, I think people like forgot about this. I didn't even know that this was a thing. So, um, you know, talking about the universal monsters, obviously the universal monsters are like a highly profitable property. There's a lot of merchandise. There's a lot of stuff. I mean, me, myself, personally, I have the bride that Jim got me for uh, our anniversary from Build-A-Bear. I mean, they're in freaking Build-A-Bear. Um, oh, I, I feel like that's that's when you know when you made it. Like, oh, yeah. Build-A-Bear, you know. <laughs> your items are expensive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but so, like, obviously, they've tried to adapt them in different aspects at the Universal Parks. Um, and one of them, which, you know, everyone knows, is obviously Universal Horror Nights, they always try to have a maze or some theming behind it that includes the universal monsters or somehow they're, you know, contained. Um, 
but they've had shows and I did not realize this, but they actually had a creature from the black lagoon show for horror nights. Um, there, yeah, yes. Uh, I think the funk land has the video. Um, if I find the video, I will, um, put it in the description of this episode so people can go and watch it, but they had an actual show that was like a 30 minute show. And, um, it was about the creature of the black lagoon. There was music. They had a giant, like literally 30 foot puppet that of the creature from the black lagoon. Um, they had original songs. It was like a whole thing. They were trying to revive the properties. It didn't work. And supposedly now the art of uh, animation or art of movies that's at Universal, that's in that theater, supposedly the 30 uh, foot puppet is still behind the stage there. So I would not want to be one of those cast members. I literally would probably <laughs> pee myself if I saw that. Um but obviously they're trying to revive it. So now we're going to get into like conspiracy theories, I guess. And we're, we're just going to say theories, but right. uh, Universal is obviously doing their epic land or whatever in uh, Orlando where they're expanding. They're going to do the Nintendo land. They're going to do an expansion of uh, Harry Potter. They have yeah. a part of the land though that people are almost pretty positive is going to be a universal monsters land. They've already applied for patents for certain things that look like it's theming. There's been pictures of them putting out um, different materials that they have to like proof beforehand. But essentially they're talking about putting scales up. Uh, One of the big things is they're talking about having like an actual scale of Dracula's castle. Um, The biggest thing is there's a dark ride that supposedly is going to happen with all the universal monsters that supposedly is going to have a system just like the new Harry Potter um, ride where it kind of takes you through everything. Um, One of the coolest things for me as a Creature of the Black Lagoon fan is supposedly they are going to have a ride like the Jaws ride um, where it's Creature of the Black Lagoon themed and it's going to have an animatronic creature popping up at different times. Um, cool. Yes, and it's going to be a water ride. Um, so that would be cool. But they're talking about different things that they're going to bring. So they're almost positive that that's what's going in. Um, well, would they kick me out if I jump into that, that lagoon and just gave him a big old hug and just like try to ride his shoulders? Would they kick me out of that? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you know, maybe, Jake, if they know it's you, they might just let you. I mean, yeah, let me they go. might just be like, cool. he, he said it on that girl's podcast. We could just let him go ahead and do it. You know, I know people, so they're, you know, they're yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, that has happened. We talked about this on the podcast before, but when they did the Jaws ride, there was a notorious effect on the Jaws ride that did not work. And it was the Jaws, the shark going towards the boat and taking a piece of the boat out. And in its first three months, it ended up, they had to close the ride and uh, drain everything and redo everything because they had a lawsuit. Because when that effect actually happened, 
one time a man fell into it with the shark coming towards him in 10 feet water in front of his children. So you could imagine how big of a lawsuit that was. Man, why would you sue for that? I'd be like, high five to the fin. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, but the mechanics underneath, you know. You, yeah, like, no, that's scary. That's yeah, scary. that would yeah. be, as someone who grew, is like lives by a theme park, like, I guess Cedar Point's a theme park, not a theme park. We're just going to call it a road coaster park, whatever it is. Yeah. But <laughs> um, I would not want that to happen. Would not. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, it'd be fun, but yeah, no, I'm with you. It'd be scary. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I like abandoned theme park videos, and I watch other people do that. But if you're asking me to go do that, that ain't happening. Nope. I'm down to go ghost hunting and do all that kind of stuff. I'm down with that. That sounds fun to me. I have too much common sense for that. See, see, that's the difference. You have common sense. I don't. So <laughs> let's do this. I mean, I mean, I would go just to like make sure you make it out alive. But I'd be that person being like, nope, look, this is already happening. We need to get out now. Like, nope. It's okay. I'll take the creature with me. I'll take the creature from the Black Lagoon and Jaws, the machine, and let's do this. We'll survive. <laughs> But I mean, like, okay, so obviously we heard the two like reported ones, which is the dark ride featuring all of them, yeah. and then a creature of the Black Lagoon ride. What else would you like to see from a land, uh, like actual like property? You know, it has to be Dracula. That is the key right there. Dracula is the foundation of the whole Universal Monsters. But if I'm pick, if I'm being like just for myself, I would love to see something either with the Wolfman or frankenstein one of those yeah. two because you know dracula is always getting the love and he's gonna get the love because he brings in the most revenue so that makes the most sense but i would love to see if, if they could do a math uh, you know recreate somehow the wolfman versus frankenstein that would be amazing that would be cool i would love um don't come for me disney fans with this um, like how Disney has um, the Beauty and the Beast castle where you can go and dine in it. Yeah. I feel like they need to do that with Dracula's castle. Like we need to have a dining experience where you could go in and you can dine in that castle and have the whole experience. And then maybe they can add some ride element like to it or some tour element to it. Like they do with the Disney one and yeah. let's just do it. Um, you know, that's that's perfect. But, you know, we need a hotel first. So let's do a hotel Transylvania, but with Universal Monsters the way it originally should have been. I mean, Universal, call Jay. He's He's got the ideas. I only take 45%. There you go. <laughs> I mean, you know, I feel like that's fair. You're giving them a lot of material to work with, right? Yeah, so absolutely. I, you have to have a finder's fee somehow. I mean, um, Hotel Transylvania just borrowed my idea without them knowing about it. That's all. <laughs> We're not going there. We're not getting sued uh, for this. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Um, joking, no, joking, joking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everyone knows you're joking here. Um, but yeah, um, I, I'm excited for that. I would like to see that. I feel like horror is one of the most underutilized when it comes to theme parks and different things. Yeah. I feel like there's a difference between using that for Halloween and actually like making that a concept. 
Um, obviously, that's a popular concept because, like Thorpe Park, they have the Saw roller coaster, and yeah. that's extremely popular. So I feel like that should be, and Universal is like the grandfather of horror, and yeah. I feel like they just sit on that. So I would like to see a land with that. I think it would be beneficial for them to choose, um, you know, Universal Monsters as opposed to any other horror franchise and put it out there just for this mere fact that you have grandparents that take their grandkids to the, you know, the park family through there. It's more family appropriate as far yeah. as, like, you know, you're not going to get the three year olds going to go see, you know, Jason. You know what I mean? It's just not going to happen. You know? No, I mean, I think, I think that that definitely, I mean, if, if you could have lounge fly backpacks and build a bears yeah. of the universal monsters, then that's obviously a sign of times changing and how popular horror is becoming, especially for the universal monster properties. So yeah. I think now definitely is the time to cash in and do something different with those. Like, I, I just think, you know, you, like you said, you'll get a lot of families that it's multi-generational that that's something that they could share um not that i wouldn't like to see like a freddy roller coaster because that would be freaking amazing oh yeah absolutely <laughs> i mean you know but you're not gonna get a six-year-old on that <laughs> no no but i mean cedar point could call me like yeah they already got crazy roller coasters to begin with call me like we could we could figure this out um, well, you know what I want to see if, if they did do that. What I would like to see is um, statues, right? Statues of like the actors with their characters that they were. That would be cool. That would be amazing. That would be holographic or real. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine like the Halloween horror nights with that though too? Like how they could ramp that up on top of that, like. I am always, I'm not, a, I'm definitely not a haunted house person, but I would be a haunted house person just to go for universal horror nights. Um, All right. If they're looking at this, I'm going to throw this out there. Don't go cheap on it. And underneath the, on the ground, put like uh, smoke machines underneath the ground. So the smoke comes up at night. Just, you know, that with a full moon, that'd be perfect. I mean... I would be like a kid in Disneyland. I already told Jim, if this is true, I we're going we're You're going right no i won't move there I, I no me and heat do not mix so um <laughs> but i will visit <laughs> i will come and see it but yeah i'm not moving there they could bring something to cedar point i live close enough to that <laughs> so um like i said freddy krueger roller coaster like cedar point can make it happen so we could figure something out um so Universal, get up on this we gotta do this <laughs> i don't know if they have i don't think they have freddy crew the new line does um but yeah that's true <laughs> yeah it, well and you know there's such weird things going on with horror properties now anyways like the whole freddy versus jason drama i mean not freddy versus jason but the two friday the 13th people in drama that's the whole reason why we haven't got a friday the 13th movie you know yeah. you know um disney acquired killer clowns because of the fox merger and they sat on it until amazon scooped it up recently so i feel like they have enough sort that's probably why universal is trying to monetize on this because they're the one per one like actual group that doesn't have beef 
with anybody. Yeah, with anybody. <laughs> yeah they, they own their stuff from the beginning. So they're good. You know, if we could go back to the, you know, the Universal Movies and how you mentioned about, um, specifically the remake of The Mummy, real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, they cast Tom Cruise because they saw dollar signs, right? But the, what they failed to do, if you're going to remake the series, and I hope Blumhouse kind of sticks with this, even though that the actress, like you, I can't remember her name, but, you know, Hands Made Tales, um, they have to get television or small-time actors to play those roles. You do not, those characters are iconic. You get somebody that could act their butt off, put them in those roles, and they don't need, you don't need to pay $50 million and hurt the budget of the film, where it makes, where Basically, they have to make movies. Or if you're going to, <laughs> and if you're going to pick a, a star that has star power, pick someone that has an interest in this film and understands the importance. Because I'm, I'm a huge fan of Henry Cavill, and I've said yeah. this multiple times. But like with him, with The Witcher, like you know, he played those games. He knew that material. And like he said, he was going to make sure no matter what, that he got a chance to at least audition for the material. And once he got it, I mean, he was die hard, like literally being in those costumes for like weeks on end and putting well, himself in the games. Exactly. So I feel like someone that like someone that has interest in this, someone who is a diehard fan, that's the person that they need to put in this. That's the person that they need to to cast in that role because that's what makes it vital. Um, And that's how you get it. Like Henry Cavill would would be a good one to put in one of those films Um, just because I feel like he has the star power but he doesn't have the ego like Tom Cruise and he's done horror movies before there. He has a horror movie that came out back in like 2010, 2011 with him in Dominic Purcell. That's called yeah. blood Creek. It had him Dominic Purcell and Michael Fassbender in the same movie. And that movie is amazing. The, the talent and just absolute like, chef's kiss i mean it was a joel schumacher yeah. film too so, yeah. so i feel so like yeah so i feel like he has you know he's kind of got the chops to do a horror movie um yeah. so i feel like he could <laughs> do something yeah he could do like Wolfman, or he yeah. could do like something else like i just feel like there are so many that could take on that role like um I don't know. Like Dracula to me, I really think Dracula Untold, I really liked it. And I felt like they did a really good job with casting Luke Evans for that role because yeah. Luke Evans has done some really good horror roles before that. Like he has probably one of the best successful um, WWE horror movies that they did, which was No One Lives which is amazing oh, yeah yeah I forgot about that yeah yeah I, I forgot about that movie that's good I thought you were talking about see no evil I'm like wait a minute but yeah you're right yeah no between see no evil and that one like those are the top yeah. ones that I think about when it comes to WWE and a horror like yeah. no one lives I remember for a long time I would not watch that and I watched it recently because it's a lot on Pluto and yeah. it's like so I've watched it within the last year and I am a Luke Evans fan before this but like he was amazing in that film and like the stuff that he had to like do i mean 
to make a serial killer have personality and someone that you're siding with and kind of in a deranged way, you have to have those chops. So same way with like Dracula, you know, you kind of saw he brought the humanity to the character. I mean, same way he did with Gaston when he was in Beauty and the Beast. So I I feel like you need that kind of character, someone who's going to root it. Tom Cruise is great at doing Mission Impossible and doing other films. I don't feel like he belongs in horror. No, no, you should just focus on making Top Gun 3 at this point. Right. <laughs> but, I mean, um, as far as what you said about um, Dracula Untold, there's a movie that comes to mind, and they're not identical, but the main character, well, not the main character, but Dracula's character, and um, um, and Wolverine's uh, origins, Deadpool. Ryan oh, Reynolds he- plays that character, had nothing to do with the source material. Nothing. Yes. And I kind of feel that you know the dracula and the dracula untold and that uh, you know wade from you know x-men origins um Wolverine, like those are very similar situations like that dracula the one the, the character that you just mentioned that the actor that played the dracula untold mm-hmm. he was he had the look he had the image the story was lacking though i will i will admit yeah that. this story it was very pieced i feel like if they had given him better story it would have done a lot better because he is a very story-centered actor. Um, He's in The Immortals with Henry Cavill. And that's another one of my like favorite movies, like my like creature comfort kind of movies. Um, But I mean, they're amazing both in that movie. Um, I feel like it's highly underrated, but um, I like like it. But yeah yeah like not a lot of people you either love it or you hate it it's the same way with people with sucker punch um you yeah, either love sucker, su- uh, yeah i'm a huge fan of sucker yeah. punch um uh but i mean it's you either love it or you hate it so i feel like if you give them a good story like lee Wynell, like he's known for great stories like dead silence we talked about this on the podcast that's very rooted in like, you know, that they created their own urban legend with Mary Shaw. Like they yeah. started out that whole thing. So it would only make sense that he would give us a top tier story like the invisible man, because we're talking about the man who did dead silence and who also co-wrote uh, saw, which yeah. pr- probably has one of the greatest cinematic twists in history. So oh, yeah. I feel like you get more people with that kind of caliber then that's what's going to make the story work. I, I'm with you on that. I will tell you this. If Blumhouse is going to do the, um, the reboot of the you know, Monster Universe, right? Mm-hmm. For Dracula, at least. I would love to see them do it with the creature from Black Lagoon, but let's be honest too, they probably are going to do Dracula before that. They need to get Gilmore Del Toro. They need yes. him. I mean, have you seen Pan Labyrinth? Boom, yeah. that guy knows how to make a story. I mean, or the lady in the water. Well, the lady in the water. That's yeah. freaking a creature from Black Lagoon 2.0. Or um, Shape of Water. Yes, I'm sorry, Shape of Water. Shape, there is a I lady in the water. water. Yeah, Shape of Water is That's basically uh, that was his take on Creature from the Black Lagoon. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think he would kill it. Um, but I mean, there are different ways that they could take it. I mean, um, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. 
to make something work. I think they just have to ground it in reality like they did with the Invisible Man. Give us a story that actually works. Um, I think when you get it too outside the realm of reality, that's when we're having issues. Um, And I say this as someone who's literally like watches Dracula all the time, but look what like with what Wes Craven did with Dracula. Like that movie doesn't get enough respect but dracula 2000 like the fact that wes craven came up with that whole concept to go like past bram stoker's story and take it to a biblical context and then got gerard butler before gerard butler literally took off with 300 and fan of the opera like that to me that's what we need like we need something like that no, they could they could definitely do that, and you know, kind of like what they did with the Wolfman, how they set in the 2010 Wolfman, how they set back in the old times. They could do that if they take a page out of the MCU's book with Captain America: First Avengers, have it set back that way. When the sequel comes or other mu- movies, it could take place in present time, and that's how you could tie them both in. Yeah, they need something that. that's rooted in reality, but also rooted in the romance, because the whole thing yeah. that drives dracula is his the sympathetic factor is the fact that he became what he became because of the woman he loved so i feel like making that a big you know honoring that side of his story but then rooting in reality that's the formula for making it work because that's what made it work in dracula 2000 is you had a man who you know this was dracula used to doing it on his own and then Van Helsing comes along and is taking his blood to supplement his own life. And then I love that movie. <laughs> yes. And then literally, like, you know, he he then has a child, and that child is made of Dracula's blood. So then that child obviously becomes a woman. So it's the same thing with like Bride of Frankenstein. You know, Frankenstein is looking for an uh, the other half of him. Dracula in Dracula 2000 that's the same way for the first time in a, you know his whole existence he has someone who's exactly the other half of him so he's going and stalking and trying to hunt this person now is he as sympathetic as some of the other Draculas no but I mean it's Gerard Butler like yeah what more could we ask for so oh, yeah but yeah I I feel like that's that's where we're going with the um the universal monsters but i'm excited that the property is getting revived because for years it seemed like it seemed like if you like the universal monsters that it made you an outcast but now you know they have merch they have shirts i mean even torrid for us plus size people are starting to get universal monsters and that's that's saying something okay that's just saying something I'm a big, beautiful male, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, you know what? It's just hard sometimes to find horror stuff when you're a plus-size woman. I'm just going to say that. So, person, the fact, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, person in general. Um, but, like, you know, with women's body shapes in particular, like, they have unisex stuff for different things. But, like, sometimes I want something a little sexier. I want something that's, you know... I want a little off the shoulder, you know, something cut a little bit better than just the average tee. Um, so I'm yeah. glad that they're starting to come out with that because, um, yeah, I just, I want to look nice. 
So, you know, keep, keep it pumping. They need to just keep it rolling out. Um, you hear that universal? Yes. Keep, keep your, keep your deal with Torrid. Um, yeah. I know Torrid can be controversial sometimes, but for me, I mean, that's where I find some of my horror stuff, but I appreciate oh, yeah. you being on. I'm definitely, um, you're going to be back, but I do have a question that we didn't even get to this whole entire podcast, which is crazy for, for me. <laughs> um, what is your favorite scary movie? And the word scream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, as a, as a child, my favorite growing up, the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street series. That was my favorite one. Absolutely. Hands down. You know, you know, and ironically, the first one is not my favorite one. Dream Child, number three. That's the absolute favorite movie, hands down, as far as a scary movie. Now, we're talking about adulthood, probably, you know, I'm just going to stick with Nightmare on Elm Street. There we go. Boom. Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Yeah, I'm a big <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street um, was a big one for me. But same thing, um, New Nightmare is probably like my go-to with that. Um <laughs> Not a fan of that, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, I just, you know, for me, that's what got me into horror. My grand, my uncle and my dad were supposed to be watching me and I fell asleep and they turned on New Nightmare and I was awake the whole entire time. So you can imagine the uh, level of nightmares I had, but that's what piqued my interest as a horror fan. Um, that's what is awesome one to get started with yeah it you know it is but then i just kept rolling from there so i mean if it's either slaying or slaying that's that's what we say in my house because it's either horror or we're watching like true crime law and order you know i just can't get enough of it so (laughs) that's an interesting thing for jim to have to deal with but um, <laughs> what is your least favorite? What do you feel like is the most overrated horror movie? Uh, that's a tough one. I am going to say, shoot, you know, probably the the um, the uh, the um. The Texas Chainsaw Masters, the, the remake trilogy ones that they released, I forget what year, it's like in the 2010s, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Those those are, everyone loved them. I like the first one. I wouldn't say I loved it. I like the first one, but other than that, they're all eh, not for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. And, you know, that's one of the things that kind of aggravated me with the new one that came out is... Um, I understand why some people might not like the newer one, but as I've said in a different video, we had a, we literally had Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D where the titular character throws a chainsaw to Leatherface and says, do your thing, cuz. So anything could go upward from there. And I love Alexandra Daddario as a yeah. actress, but that, no, no, ma'am. So um, anything's up where from there. And I mean, the new one had Fed Alvarez as part of it. And I mean, if anything, the visuals were just worth it alone. Not to mention Leatherface literally makes his way through a whole entire bus of people. Like, what else could we want? 
yeah oh yeah dude that new one's so awesome i, I loved i loved I, it i liked it but oh uh, so um what is your what horror movie do you not like at all like just at all at all uh, there's a um trying to think honestly probably the human centipede series not a big fan of that one nasty yeah I'm not, I'm not a big fan like i i saw the first one when it was like trendy now nah, i've never been found that like if you want to be like like high tension it's a great movie a lot of high tension seen that one. yes high tension if we're gonna if you're gonna go anywhere out high tension is probably the best way to go see yeah. Brittany and i talk about this a lot of the time and we don't understand why people post about this on the internet like go hardcore for it but like for me, it's a Serbian film. Like I will not even go near. Well, a I'm not Serbian. trying to mention that one. <laughs> That's yeah. a weird one. Yeah, I I will not even like go near it. I've never even really seen it. I understand certain parts about it because of things people posted on the internet. I understand it's for shock value, but no, 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 nope. no, no, no. I'm with you on that. That's yeah. You know, I'm totally against um, you know, certain you know children's adult situations i yes. guess yeah yeah and i understand i understand like shock value for certain things but i just feel like that's crossing a line the a serbian film and like the human centipede and even hostile for me like i hostile i understand like certain people really like it and i understand the story behind it but that's like the we don't talk about bruno for the horror world like no well you know- there's way they could have did that movie differently. I mean, and the perfect example of that of, of the um, I don't even want to say the title. You, you said you know right you know the movie with adult situations for, with children. Yes. Yeah, I I had never watched it, but once I heard the premise, I'm like, I'm out, dude. I don't I don't want to see this. I don't no, want to and what aggravates Brittany and I to no end is it, at being part of the horror community on yeah. Facebook and on Instagram and on TikTok people post stuff about it they'll post clips about it they'll post like memes about it and stuff like that and i'm just like what in the world are you talking about like you know what movie they you know took sort of that concept but actually made it awesome mm -hmm. and i love the movie hard candy with uh um what's his name now um uh I know what you're She's talking from, about. I've never yeah. seen it, but oh, you haven't? Mm-mm. Watch it. You will not be disappointed. I promise you. If you have not seen that movie, Hard Candy, not to give any away, but you know it has to do with the same situation, mm-hmm. adult situation, with a kid being mm-hmm. lured down. But then the you know it's all, the turns of the table and revenge. So it's great, great movie. They don't show nothing. You don't need to see anything in those type of movies. I'm totally against that. Yeah, I don't, I feel like there are certain lines, like certain things that you can, like, for instance, I feel like a lot of people had a hard time with Don't Breathe 2 coming out because of the fact the first one in Don't Breathe, he's very like predatory. And then the second one, it's kind of like, oh, he's the hero now. But if people actually watch the movie don't breathe too like he completely the whole entire time like he acknowledges the fact that he's a bad man and like, oh, he's, like disgusted he's with himself you're right he's disgusted with himself and like things that it but then you get the parents in that movie and they're just equally 
as worse. disgusting, if worse. not worse. Yeah. And yeah. so. Well, I don't know if worse is the best way to describe it, you know, considering his past and that yeah. in the first film. I mean, he's, he's, he's diabolical, but at least he won't hurt a child. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like he tried to redeem himself with how he handled that situation, but ultimately he acknowledges that he has not been a good person and that he doesn't want redemption, that he knows that he has to pay for what he did and he's more than willing to do that. So um, I feel like in that certain circumstance, like it's okay to bring those themes if we're talking about that, but like glamorizing sexual assault or glamorizing um, something in that nature that someone goes through and making it a plot device i i have a really big problem with and i understand it's done for shock value and they're trying to make a statement but i just feel like that's not what i'm gonna waste my time with yeah no no i'm I'm with you there's ways to do things and there's ways not to do it you know they all claim to do it in an artistic point of view but like no dude you're making a smut film you know it's a smut film the only difference is you got when when what 17 countries banned it it's a smut film you know those people are real yeah and we're not talking about like book ban like you know you got banned because of a controversial opinion you got banned because of the content you know the content that you put out is just awful um so yeah i just think it it makes 50 shades it makes 50 shades of gray from what i gather look like a family movie you know what I mean? With that kind I mean, of stuff. yeah, I watch Fifty Shades of Grey, so yeah. You, you know what? But you're not going to take a family to go see that movie. Yeah, I, I, my child is a, or like if you watch 365 Days, that's yeah. same thing too. Like I, that would not be on for my child's, nor like my, with my child having autism, some children on the spectrum, they love horror movies and they can handle it. My child cannot. So yeah. I'm very like, you know my horror room i have things that are more like friendly to hit like the funko pops and stuff like that but yeah like i can't have like any masks or like horror busts um and that's perfectly fine but like i'm not watching those films in front of my kid now mind you the universal monster movies i can have those on because he sees those and he's like they're not scary at all yeah like he's like uh, that's weird what are you watching um it's funny that you mentioned that my son's the same way he's he you know he's on the spectrum and he he's 13 now and he still won't touch horror at all and my daughter you know she's nine now but ever since she's been about i want to say seven go on to eight she's Mm -hmm. been my horror bff like i was able to get through screen all the screams with her all the franchise um saw franchise all the um yeah uh, the that's Brittany series. Brittany her kids and them like we would always when at, at one point in time Brittany and I actually lived together like what I left by ex and that's kind of part of like how she revived me from that situation was watching horror with her and like her kids are the same way like she's and but she's never like if there's movies that her kids have wanted never not wanted to watch or she's felt like a bit inappropriate she won't watch them with them but like my my son just the universal monsters i think are different because i didn't realize this but the universal monsters did a thing with Fortnite a couple weeks like maybe a month or so ago um where they um, their anniversary yeah so they did a thing for with Fortnite. so like my son was like "Oh, oh and obviously like monster high monster high 
you know, uh, Frankie is Frankenstein's daughter, Dracula is Dracula's, you know, um, they have like a Gil and um, all those characters. So like he knows about those ones. So that like he's fine with and he sees my um, lounge fly. I have a lounge fly that's the mon- uh, Frankenstein and the Bride of Frankenstein and thinks it's super cute. But if it's anything else, no, it's not happening. Like, oh, yeah. and that's perfectly fine because that's that's my child. And if that's what he, you know, if he never gets into horror, that's cool. Yeah. Um, that's it's personal. Yeah, yeah, it's my thing, not his thing, and I'm not going to push him into it. So he knows that mom's into horror. He knows that mom's talks about horror, um, but um, he's not. You know, he's like mom deals with the scary stuff. I just don't deal with it. So oh, yeah, no. yeah there's Marvel my, movies and Star Wars. <laughs> oh, my kid, Brayden isn't even in a unicorns. Unicorns. Oh, nice. I have so many unicorns in my house. Literally, if we get one bigger J, I'm going to start charging them rent. <laughs> it's just going to happen. Like he got five unicorns for Christmas that are literally the size of him. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, I can't, I can't go anywhere else with these unicorns. Like they're going to start There's taking so over. Much you yes, they're <laughs> going to start taking over the house. Like my kid already yeah. sleeps with like, 12,000 stuffed animals and I have a problem myself too because I like squishmallows and stuff we could go on a whole tangent about that but uh but yeah but okay so last one favorite Stephen King Stephen King favorite Stephen King you know that's a good one I'm gonna say damn I was such a big Stephen King mark as a kid you know as a young adult coming up you know it was probably the the OG for me, Stephen King's It, the original one, not the yes. remake. We'll get to that later. The original one. Um, I'm gonna say probably Stephen King's It. That was really good. Off the top of my head, just the, the original OG one. Sweet, yeah, I like it. My favorite's Christine. So that's a good one too. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a big one. I'm a big Christine, and I'm a big Rose Red um oh yeah yeah so I feel like those are very I feel like Stephen King in general I have a huge like I watch a lot of like I pretty much have all of his um movies movies at this point in time and they just keep coming out with new adaptations so are are you a fan of the truck movie he made the um Elmo Estevez uh Maximum Overdrive yeah there we go (laughs) yes I am. I am a fan of that movie. And it's funny because I remember that that's what revived ACDC, um, their career. So, um, yeah, I do like Maximum Overdrive. Um, I do. I'm a big fan for Thinner. Um, Oh, I forgot about that. That's a good one, too. Yes. Um, The Sand. um, The Mist. The Mist is good. Well, yeah, the... um... The TV show is really good too. I actually yes, like the I like the I like the Mist, the TV show that actually very much surprised me. The new stand that's on Paramount Plus, I liked that one as well. I thought they did a good job with picking Alexander Skarsgård for um, uh, the care. I'm trying to think of the guy's name um, from the stand, uh, but yeah, I think he did a good job with that. Um, I mean. Yeah, 
I, I mean, there's so much Stephen King that's going to be coming out in the next couple of months anyways, because of him being so popular with the it movies being revived. And now they're doing more, you know, Firestarter is coming out with Zac Efron. And then that looks good. That looks really good. I was actually yeah. very on the fence about that, but that looks really good. And I know um, Christine is getting a remake too, which I am actually pretty happy about. I feel like people thought I was going to hate that, but Christine is one that I think needs to get adapted to now because I think yeah. things have changed so much that I think they could just do so much more. But Christine is obviously my favorite because it's John Carpenter and Stephen King. And then oh, Creep yeah. Show. Creep Show is like. <sighs> I forgot yeah. Creep Show. That's my OG right there too. <laughs> Creep Show is like, I mean, Creep Show, like. Yeah, I mean that's I, that that's like an all star movie of who who's though. Yes, and even like the second one, we we aren't going to talk about the third one. We're just going to yeah, talk no, about no. one and two. That one doesn't exist. It never happened. Okay, so last, <laughs> so I I lied. Last question. Okay. Top tier. Um, when we're talking about like the big it, like Pennywise, Jason, Freddie, Michael, Chucky, you know, um, aliens, we're talking about the big franchises here. Okay. Who's your favorite? You know, I'm a big uh, aliens fan. I love aliens, the big aliens. And then if we're, if we're talking about, you know, horror specifically though, I'm gonna have to say like, um, um dawn of the dead franchise for sure yeah uh, are we talking yeah. like og romero like romero and snyder yes they both did yeah. i mean they both did they're great, both excellent i would say the snyder one is actually better in my opinion i'm, I'm of dawn of the that, yeah i think yeah yeah i feel like you know snyder did a really good job of paying homage to the original and then i hadn't seen the original since i was probably like 10 and I just got a copy of it um, not too long ago and watched it. And yeah, I mean, he did a really good job at adapting that. I would say that's one of those like rare instances. We talk about that a lot on the podcast. Um, when a Stranger Calls is a big, another one for me. I feel like the new one kind of did a better job than the original. I love the original with Shelley Duvall, but they made the new one a different movie. Um, the new one wasn't, I mean, in the original, uh, when a stranger calls the kids die within like the yeah. first 15, 20 minutes of the movie, the new one that came out when Brittany and I were both in our babysitting years and, um, scared the hell out of both of us. Like, because that's such a, a primal fear of like, you have this responsibility as a young adult and, then on top of it, you have to deal with this creepy person who keeps calling you and he might actually be a serial killer. Like that's such a yeah. primal fear to begin with. And like the titular like moment where he's like, the call is coming from inside the house. Brittany and I both recalled like hearing that. And I just remember some part of me, like my brain just exploded. I'm like, what? The person is in the house with her? Like Oh, yeah. I just died a little bit inside. Well, that's a great choice. I mean, that that franchise rebooted basically it, and when they did the remake, it basically kicked off a series of other slasher movies and, you know, Final Girl movies. You know? Yeah, yeah, most definitely. So, 
Um, well, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it as always. Um, My pleasure. <laughs> I'm glad that we got to, you will be back on um, for Chucky. Wanna oh, yeah. play? Yeah, <laughs> Jim's gonna be on for that one because that's one okay, of Jim's cool. favorite too. So you'll get both of us, which will be a good time. Um, so horror craft fans buckle up because Jay's going to be coming back for a couple of them. Um, but Chucky is the one that's coming up recently. And we are going to be talking about the new TV series and what we want to see from the new season. So, um, I need to get Jim caught up (laughs) on Chucky (laughs) because he's seen like all of them and we're actually going to go see Rob Zombie in concert in August. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, like, obviously rob zombie living dead girl you know that was like opening scene of bride of chucky that's like literally that i will have to say that's like probably the best opening scene of like the whole franchise of her being introduced as a character like i gotta love it that was one of my top ones too (laughs) yeah no i i think that that's great and i mean anytime you could bring rob zombie in it why not i mean oh yeah Rob Zombie is pretty freaking fantastic in his own right. Oh, Rob so. Zombie and horror go hand in hand, you know. That's yes, I'm excited to see him in the mon- him do the monsters, the monsters. Oh, That's one of my favorites. I have the whole collection, so I've been like rewatching the monsters to get Sweet. prepared for that. So, but well, thank you so much for coming on, Jay, and I appreciate it. Thank, so. thank you very much. Uh, you know. Thank you to all the fans that are watching this. Well, listening to this, I'm sorry. And then uh, you guys can find me on Instagram, Twitter, on um, Snapchat, all that good stuff. Um, basically, any social media platform under Jay's Nerdy Life. Yep. I mean, check out his stuff. And you sell mystery boxes, don't you? Uh, you know, I sell mystery boxes, uh, uh, you know, DVDs, Blu-rays, whatever you're interested in. I can work something out. Just message me on one of those platforms. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of mystery boxes, especially when it's horror stuff. So, well, I got you. You you can do a re- unboxing for me. <laughs> yeah, I will. I will most definitely. I love. Obviously, you see all the time. I love unboxing things. So, um, but hit Jay up, and like I said, Jay will be back on. I hope everyone enjoyed this. And this is me, Sandra, with the Horrorcraft Podcast, saying, "Stay spooky," and I will see you in the next episode. Bye. Oh, <laughs> oh,